Thanks for joining with Prairie Presbyterian Church today. We continue to work through our summer series called Be Still and Behold. And this is part three, God in Pillars of Cloud and Fire. We acknowledge that we are gathered on Treaty One land, first entrusted by Creator God to the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, the homeland of the Red River Métis. have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me at night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is bright as the day. For the darkness is as light with you. Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee? Where can I flee from your
For the past two weeks of our summer series, Be Still and Behold, we've been challenged to explore our sense of creativity, how being creative can remind us of God's presence, and that God has given each of us gifts which can come through in creative ways. As we've taken time to discuss this both online and in person, one theme that has continued to come up is, I'm not creative. Today, our prayer of confession is centered around this. Please join me as we pray. God of infinite creativity, you imagined the anteater, the aardvark, the armadillo, and the alligator. You breathed life into nothing and made each of us unique, full of infinite possibility and choice. We confess today that we tend to get stuck in our own ways and patterns. We we become slaves to routine and to doing things just because we've always done them that way. We turn your gifts of creativity into tasks we are forced to do when we remember them at all, or we write off our efforts as not good enough. We forget that the things in our lives we do first started with you, whether we're cooking, gardening, drawing, writing, raising children, building worlds in Minecraft, or carefully making stained glass. All these things come from you and are a reflection of you. As we come before you, let us pause, reflect, and confess the many ways in which we pull away from your constant presence. Creator God, draw us close to you. Help us to see your presence, to feel your presence, and to know your presence. Help us to find our inspiration in you and in each other as we move about our lives this week. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. The God of all creation, of all of this, knows you, loves you, and cares about you deeply. No matter how far we have turned away, God forgives us. Know today that you are forgiven and be at peace. And may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Wherever you are, whenever you are watching this, I challenge you to find a creative way to share the peace of Christ with someone in your life. This does not mean you have to start creating a work of art. It could mean inviting someone for a walk or phoning someone you don't normally talk to. Although I will say, if you're phoning those of us under 40, don't call us without texting as we tend to not answer and generally assume if someone calls us unexpectedly, it's terrible news. Perhaps it's cooking a meal for someone. It's any of a number of things I can't begin to fathom. May peace be with you all. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer, for God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt, prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. They set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they may travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night 
left its place in front of the people. A couple of years ago, I was buying a car, a used car, and I remember talking with the salesperson. Uh, he, uh, you know, we got into chatting and uh, he asked me, what do you do for a living? And I told him I'm a pastor. And in the course of the conversation, he ended up asking me, well, how, how did you get into that? And I found myself saying before I really even thought about it, I found myself just saying, uh, well, first I've got to tell you that I believe that God is active in the world. And the rest of the story ended up being about, you know, uh, that I thought I was going to say was God's active in the world. God actually does things. And so the reason I'm a pastor is because I believe that God has called me to be a pastor, like actually has done things in my life that led me into this path. And before I could get much more out, he basically just said, oh, I believe that too. I totally believe that. Um, now he did have a bit of a Christian background. I don't think I've been to church in a while and, um, but he still had this sense that God is up to something in the world, that God is active, that God does things and God leads us, God guides us. And this particular story that we're looking at today about God being in pillars of cloud and fire are about God leading. Uh, on first glance, this story can kind of seem like one of those stories that has very little to do with our actual lives, but it really does. It really does connect. And I think it's really worth looking at. It's a foundational story. Um, we read in the last little bit that we read, uh, it says that the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So it's quite incredible, right? You've got this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire that lights up their way at night so they can still uh, find their way. And, and they're led by this pillar that that the Lord is in, the Lord goes in front of them in this pillar. And when we read stuff like this, I think sometimes our natural question might be, well, did this really happen? Um, but I hate to tell you this, but actually, I don't think that's a super interesting question. Did it really happen? I think instead we should start with the idea that the people who first told this story about their lives to their children and their grandchildren that they believed that they were being led by God. That basically God was active in their life, that God is active, that God leads, that God finds a way, that God points you in a direction. Now, there are some things in this story that are what might be called a classic theophany. And uh, that just means like an appearance of God. Theo, theophany, um, is so what we have at the beginning of like theology um, and is really just talking about God. That's what theology is, talking about God. Theophany is um, an appearance, like epiphany is a, a, an appearance, or like, I, I have an epiphany, it's an idea that just appears out of nowhere. Theophany is God appearing. And we have classic elements in this story of fire 
and cloud. And what happens in classic theophanies of God appearing is we get these things that are very, very other, right? Things that maybe there's an experience that it's hard to describe what that experience is. So something quite other, like gets ends up being described as a, a, a pillar of fire and a cloud. Or earlier in the Moses story, this is part of the Moses story, is we have the familiar uh, to us, if we know the story, it's familiar, the idea of the burning bush, a bush that is uh, burning but never consumed, that God is in the fire. And um, something that's very, very other than us, something that is um, really quite different. And uh, we'll come back to this a little bit in the next part of the series, uh, when we continue with Moses' story, God on the mountain, um, this idea of God being wholly other. Because so far we've actually had um, the opposite of that, God being intimately close, right? God walking in the garden, um, God wrestling with uh, Jacob, like actually being there, God standing right next to him. But now we're starting to get stories about God being very different, maybe somewhat inaccessible. So God is leading the people, but it's not through walking alongside them. It's in this, this miraculous, mysterious, supernatural event of this pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. And part of this might be why we might have trouble relating to this story, thinking it doesn't have much to do with our lives, is because uh, it is so different. Do we see pillars of fire leading us today? I haven't seen that. So what might this have to do with us is maybe our question. Um, we often start with, did this really happen? I don't think that's particularly interesting. And it's far more interesting to say, well, the people who experienced God, they told this story to their children and their grandchildren to pass on to them the idea that God was leading them. And so, uh, how do we also connect with that idea that God is leading us? Maybe God is leading us. Um, we get a bit of context to this story uh, right near the beginning of, of the part that we read. It says, when, the, when Pharaoh let the people go. And so we are reminded right away that this is part of that Moses story, the Exodus story. There'd been these plagues that had been sent and Moses had been asking on behalf of God to free the Israelite people who were slaves of the Egyptians and had been pleading with Pharaoh. And eventually Pharaoh decides, yes, I'm going to let you go. It's enough. We have the story of the Passover where uh, all the firstborn are, are killed. And that is what finally convinces Pharaoh to let the people go. And so they are off on their way. Um, this is kind of the next stage of that story, just after the kind of the first Passover is celebrated. Um, and then it says, so when, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Right? So I love this because, you know, the quickest way out is, uh, is not the way God takes them. God thinks, mm, if they face adversity, they're just going to change their mind and maybe run back. And so God doesn't leave, lead them by the shortest way. Um, interestingly, we read just a verse later in verse 18, uh, we read the Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt prepared for battle. And I'm not quite sure what that's about because God's thinking, well, if they face war, they're just going to turn around and change their minds and go back. Um, so I'm going to find a different route than the one that's the real adversity. Um, but yet they were ready for battle for some reason. So 
uh, I, I, again, I'm not sure what that's about. We read on though, and we find out, um, so God, where does God lead them, right? So God thinks I'm not going to lead them the quickest route because if they face war, they might just change their minds and turn back and says, so God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness bordering the Red Sea. Really interesting, right? God leads the people by the roundabout way. I love this phrase, this terminology, the roundabout way, because that's something I can relate to. Oh, God's leading me. Shouldn't that actually be easy and direct? Well, no, not necessarily. Sometimes God leads us by the roundabout way. And it's not just any old roundabout way. It's the roundabout way of the wilderness. The people are going to spend even longer in the wilderness, but this is kind of the first hint of that where God goes the roundabout way through the wilderness, through difficulty. Now, maybe, yeah, it would have been worse to face war with the Philistines, but it's still challenging and something that is particularly challenging about this route is that it is uh, unexpected and uncertain. So what's, I think, really interesting about this story is you have the pillar of cloud and fire, and it's obvious, it's supernatural, it's so clear to them, there's God leading us, but the route is actually really unexpected. Um, so we read that they set out from Succoth and they camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. We get that repeated, that they spend the night on the edge of the wilderness. Now, here's the continuation of this story that we didn't read. So this is moving um, a few verses later, actually, into Exodus 14. Uh, we read this. As Pharaoh drew near, this is at verse 10, the Israelites looked back and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So basically what happens is, um, if you read the story, you find out that uh, the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh changes his mind. He thinks, why did we ever let this, you know, free labor force go? Why did we let our slaves go? Let's go after them. Um, it's unclear to, are they going after them just to kill them? Or are they going after them maybe to bring them back? Um, in any case, the Egyptian army is now advancing on the Israelites and they can see them and they cry out to God. And here's what they cry. So this is verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness see what happens here? First, it says they cry out to the Lord, but mostly they're actually complaining to Moses. Seriously, you brought us out, like, was the reason you brought us out here because there weren't any graves available? Like, we were going to die anyway. And actually, you know what, if we'd stayed in Egypt, we, we actually could have just served the Egyptians. And yeah, lots of us probably would have died because slaves die. They don't live very long. They don't have long life expectancies. Um, abuse happens. It's horrible. But we wouldn't just be slaughtered out here in the wilderness, would we? We'd still be alive. We we should have stayed there. Um, and later in their story, we find, you know, when they start to run out of food in the wilderness, the same complaint comes up. Oh, that we could go back and eat in Egypt where we actually had food. Um, so the complaint is here. And you find there's this movement to the complaint. The first thing is, is they move back to familiarity, right? We know what Egypt is. Let's go back there. Here we are stuck beside the sea with an army advancing on us. There's no way out. 
Uh, we can't see a pathway forward. We just want to go back to the way it was. Now, does that sound at all like our life sometimes? We can't see the way ahead. Everything's uncertain. Things might seem to be closing in on us. We're in a kind of wilderness and all we can see is the negative or potential destruction and we can't see a pathway forward. Could we just go back a few years? Could we just go back to another way, please? So that's what they do. They also do a blaming of the leadership, blaming of Moses. Like, oh, it's not our fault. Like, we, is this familiar, right? Like, it's not my fault. Like, it's somebody else's fault for the demise of, of the world or the situation that I'm in, right? Interestingly, for the Israelites, they still have the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire with them. Um, and even though they can see that pillar out in front of them, they are still terrified of this huge army that's chasing them. Now, on one hand, we can say, well, who can blame them, right? Um, but on the other hand, we kind of think, well, if you have, if, if it's so obvious that God's with you, like, why are you fearing? Um, anyway, Moses addresses this and challenges them. He says to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. This is a great phrase, isn't it? Moses addresses the people and challenges them. They're saying, we wish we could just go back. And Moses says, no, 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 just wait and watch and see what God is going to do. God is going to deliver you. He's going to rescue you, protect you. Here's what you need to do. Just keep still. Wow, this is a word for us today too, right? Where do we, how can we experience the presence of God? When are we going to actually see God show up in our lives and provide some protection or some guidance or direction? Keep still. You only need to keep still. Interestingly, the Israelites need to keep still only for a moment. They keep still until God does something dramatic, which we'll read in a minute. But then they also did have to make a move. Uh, we get into the story of the sea parting, and then the Israelites actually, they can't just keep still anymore. They actually have to take a step into, uh, they're not into the waters, they're going through the waters, but it's pretty uncertain, like water on the left and on the right, and who knows what might happen. They do have to take a step. So they do keep still, but only until they actually see the pathway that opens before them. So it's also a thing for us to learn in this story about how the presence of God shows up and guides us. Uh, we then read after this uh, challenge from Moses, we read the angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. Did not one did not come near the other all night. So the pillar of cloud and it says the angel of God. They move from the front of the Israelites and move behind them to protect them from the Egyptian army that's coming. And I just love this, right? Uh, we're told that the pillar never left the front in terms of leading, but actually here in this story, uh, God moves from leading the people on a way to protecting them, right? 
So the, the pillar of cloud, which also becomes the pillar of fire at night. And I love that phrase. It lit up the night. So at their darkest moment, God is lighting up the night. This is when this happens is at nighttime, right? Um, so in the darkest moment for the Israelites, when the Egyptians are coming upon them, God protects and lights up the night. Um, remarkable. And then we read about Moses stretching his hand out over the sea. And then it says the Lord drove back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and chariot drivers. And at the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged all their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. So this is maybe the part of the story which we're most familiar with, uh, the parting of the sea and the Israelites going through. And then eventually what happens is the sea closes in on the Egyptian army. And the Israelites make it safe to the other side and begin their walk to the promised land, which ends up taking 40 years in the wilderness. Um, we're most familiar with this, but I think it's interesting that it doesn't happen so quickly. I think sometimes we have a, a picture in our head is that they're running away from the Egyptian army and like they have to quickly, like Moses has to quickly stretch out his hand and God quickly parts the Red Sea and off they go. But actually it's much more deliberate. It does happen quickly in the sense that it's all kind of in one night, but what happens first is the movement of the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire to the back for protection and keeping them safe. And then Moses stretches out his hand and like, there's a lot of people. So it takes a while to move them all. But I think sometimes we maybe want to think about our lives this way is that we're hoping that the pathway just opens up. Like, why don't you just show us which way to go? Sometimes we have a roundabout way. Sometimes we're waiting in that moment before the sea gets parted of just being still while God protects. So where are you is our question that we return to from week one. Where are you in this story and in your life? Because the thing is, God actually really is active, really is leading and pointing you toward your next step. So where are you experiencing God's presence or where do you need to experience God's presence? Is it in being liberated into freedom the same way the slaves were liberated? Do you need to be liberated from something? Is it being led by the roundabout way, a way that might be uncertain, unpredictable, maybe difficult? Is it in having your desire to return to an old way of life, challenged the way Moses challenged the Israelites when they complained and said, if only we could just go back? Is it in you keeping still and resting in God's protection or provision? Or is it in seeing the sea open up and then taking those first few risky steps through to the other side? The last couple of weeks, we've been encouraging you to try different creative practices. And so once again, I'll encourage you to think about that Think about a creative practice that you can engage with. And we've had a few responses and you're welcome to email me um, and let me know uh, what you've been doing for this. Um, some people talked about 
you know, playing a musical instrument or cooking or building things or uh, creating uh, stained glass uh, um, art and uh, could be all kinds of things. Um, someone also even mentioned, you know, parents are often being creative, especially in the summertime, often, you know, tapping into their creativity and, and playing with their kids and finding activities for them to do. So how is it that you are being creative? And then this week, maybe take a step, a little step further and use this story as a bit of a, a template for you that as you're doing some kind of creative practice, what is it that you are learning from God? What is it that you are hearing from God? So is it really, um, is your creative practice kind of helping you understand uh, this idea of being liberated or being set free? Or is it a time to be still, to rest and just experience the protection and provision of God? Uh, or is it a time where uh you're having something open up, a way open up through the sea? Or, or do you feel like you're in a wilderness in a roundabout way? Or do you sense that there's some, you know, like the army coming down to attack? Um, and, and you need to just hear that God is going to be with you through that and protect you in that. Um, so as you do your practice, or even as you pray this week, um, think about this story and start to sense how God might also be leading you along whatever the next stage is for you. God of fire and clouds, as you led your people so long ago, lead your people today. So often we find ourselves wondering in the midst of all that is happening in our world, where you are and which way to turn. Be a guiding light to your church as we work to follow you. Today, we pray especially for those experiencing hunger and famine. Between climate change and war, millions upon millions upon millions do not know where their next meal will come from. And as we think about hunger across the world, let us not forget those closest to us. We pray for those in our own country and in our lives who do not have enough to eat. With rising food prices, rising gas prices, and the rising cost of, well, everything, there are so many among us who struggle. Help us, your church, to reach out in new and different ways to meet the needs of those around us. Help us, your church, to reach out to those in our midst and help us, your church, to be humble enough to ask and accept help when needed and offered. We pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Children sing glory, glory. 
see 